0: Good morning, Church. I hope that everyone's having a great summer. Uh, it's nice to have some warm weather. We've got some even warmer weather coming up this week. Um, I just wanted to start in prayer. Um, so, if we're uh, all happy to to bow, I'll just begin with some prayer. Lord, I thank you that we are able to uh, join here together in freedom uh, this morning to come and praise what a wonderful name you have. Uh, that through you we have freedom. Um, Lord, I pray that as I share, uh, there might be something I speak that um, can uh, be useful in the lives of, of those that are here. Lord, if there's anything that I share that's not of you, that I rebuke that, Lord, may that uh, fall away and not, not take root in, in anyone here, but, um, yeah, Lord, really guide me as I speak, um, and may it be of use in the lives of uh, your humble servants here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So... um. I thought I'd start with a bit of a, a brief background to, to me and to, to Tammy because um, I'm not quite sure how well some of you know me and, and know Tammy, probably even less. Um, so a in, uh, in background to me, I was born in, and raised in the Hutt Valley. I was born in Lower Hutt Hospital, so very much a local lad. Probably, yeah, Emma was born in Lower Hutt Hospital, I'm guessing. Yeah, a few of us. And uh, there must, must be hopefully some reliable nurses. I actually met um, at Festival One, I met a guy... Uh, a, few, a couple of years ago, who was born on the same day as me, January 14th, 1994, at the same hospital in about the same time. Um, it was pretty pretty, pretty random, actually. Um, but but God can God can bring about uh, some quite cool random occurrences like that. Um, I have to uh, also actually just before I move on, um, uh, give a warm welcome to all the guests here, but um, also to Amanda, as um, she actually works with me. Um, in Lower Hutt. And so the fact that she knew Dean and, and Gina from uh, when she was uh, studying up in, up in Palmy um, and, and going to the church that they were at, it's quite amazing to have that sort of little connection like that. God's quite cool like that. So, as I said, um, born and raised in, in the Hutt Valley, uh, did my schooling here, went to Maranatha Christian School for primary, Ferguson Intermediate, and then Upper Hutt College. Um, all throughout my life, I've had a big love of sports, uh, especially football. I'm often uh, up in the early hours of the morning, in the weekend, watching Liverpool, my, uh, my team that I support passionately, and uh, dearly hope that we might win the title this year for anyone that's, uh, that's uh, au fait with football, um, much to, um, <laughs> Tammy has a lot of patience uh, with me for that, I have to say. So, so Tammy and I were married uh, last year in Feb. And so to give a bit of a background about Tammy, she was uh, born in Santos in Sao Paulo, which we often say uh, Sao Paulo in our Kiwi accent. We're, we often struggle with uh, pronouncing place names, as, as they said. Um, so she's a Portuguese speaker, which is the, the native language of Brazil. And she moved to Spain at age four uh, with her parents um, as her father was uh, seeking um, better o- uh, life opportunities for, um, for his family, in Spain, um, and so her, Tammy's brother was born there, she went through her schooling there uh, and is a fluent Spanish speaker because of that. So three languages, Portuguese, Spanish and English, I feel uh, very inadequate just, just being able to speak English really, <laughs> and uh, it is a goal of mine to, to uh, learn to speak other languages so if you you, you come into contact with me in the, in the coming weeks and, and months and years, you can uh, give me a, a, a prod as to how I'm going with my language learning, I need it. Um, Tammy's parents encu- encouraged her to travel a lot and they uh, helped her travel back to Brazil many times to see family and, and be around them and they also um, have a real love of surfing. Tammy's dad, um, as some of you might have met him when he was here last year with, with um, Tammy's mum and brother, uh, he's a shaper, he makes surfboards um, and he's been doing that for, for many, many years, more years than I've been alive um, and so he's very experienced at it and it's very much a family culture Uh, in uh, 2015 um, was when we we first met and it was actually thanks to the help of an Australian friend um, in Spain who was there as a missionary um, that Tammy actually was able to come to New Zealand. She she actually, I think, paid for Tammy's flights. So uh, Aussies are are, are good for something. Um, (laughs) But, (laughs) no, no, she's she's an awesome lady and I've met a a number of awesome Australians. Um, It's quite funny because... Uh Tammy has a real irony of, of the involvement of football in her life. She can't escape it. I mean, being born in Brazil, they're mad about football if anyone's watched the World Cup. In Spain, they're similarly mad about football, but her family actually has, has no passion for it whatsoever. And then Tammy comes here to a rugby-loving country and marries a guy that's passionate about football. It's, uh, it was just destined that <laughs> football would be in her life. <laughs> for... Uh, some of you may be familiar with the fact that for eighteen months we dated long distance while Tammy was finishing her degree and, and that was hard in, it, in itself, but actually through that hardship um, we, our relationship developed a lot because you, know, you really have to develop um, you know a lot of the um, emotional and, and, and mental side really of the um, of the relationship when all you can do is just is just talk um, so that was great, and being united um, in New Zealand again was even greater. Um, yeah, so praise God for that. So this morning I'm, I'm honoured to be speaking um, on the, the subject of the blessing of obedience. Um, I appreciate a bit of patience with me. I'll probably refer quite a lot to my notes because I want to make sure that what I speak uh, is sound um, and I want to make sure I cover everything off. So, so to start with, uh, obedience is compliance with an order request or law, or submission to another's authority. Compliance with an order, request or law, or submission to another's authority. It's the first time I've actually given the morning message in New Zealand, um, but not actually the first time I've delivered a sermon, uh, which was in South Sudan of all places several years ago at a church full of people who spoke little to no English, which actually was a help because uh, when the translator was going, it gave me time to check the notes and sort of compose myself to make the next point. And uh, given they were used to sort of an hour and a half, two hour long messages, uh, it, it helped to extend that, I think, short sort of 15 minutes or something that I was able to scrape together uh, into something a bit longer, a bit more than that to uh, what they were not used to. And so some will be familiar with the fact that I was in South Sudan in 2012 as a missionary and in fact... Uh, many past and present members of our church um, played a significant part in getting me there. Actually, you know, I really want to thank all of you for that. Uh, and even those who were just praying for me was, was um, hugely significant. Uh, when I was a child, I felt a future calling from God to go to Africa, which eventuated in me going at the beginning of 2012 uh, for 11 months, joined for uh, most of that time by my mum, Nikki, who's here today. Awesome mum. That experience had a a big impact on my choice in studies, Uh, completing a Bachelor of Commerce at Victoria University in 2015. I majored in marketing and international business. Through the international business papers, I met and became friends with the person who introduced me to my now wife, Tamiris, who you know as Tammy. From being obedient to God's call, I was in turn blessed many years later with an amazing wife. Now... Obviously, the story isn't quite so simple as the one simply equaling the other. You know, and there were many intervening moments that were a significant part, one of which will be relevant later. However, the Bible was clear that obedience, uh, sorry, that blessing is brought through obedience. Chronologically speaking, one of the first examples in the Bible of this is in Genesis 22, verse 18, where God is talking to Abraham In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Now, wow, all the nations of the earth—that's a lot of nations, you know. But obviously, the magnitude of Abraham's obedience and trust in God was such that the reward was great, and it's—it's pretty unlikely we'll be faced with the scenario of being willing to sacrifice, you know, or God requiring us to be willing to sacrifice our only child. However, the Bible is repetitive on the subject of obedience to God, resulting in blessing. So in Exodus 19, verse 5, God is speaking to Moses, and he says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a a special treasure to me above all people. In Luke 11, verse 28, where Jesus is speaking in response to a woman making you know, a statement of how blessed Mary was for, for being his mother, he says, more than that, more than Mary is blessed, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, in chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, he writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So note the link between obedience and actually multi-generational blessing again here, which is similar to with Abraham. You know, another scripture, because scripture is great, in James 1, verse 22 to 25, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So, you know, demonstrate faith through obedience to the word. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man, of, and I like this part, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. AKA, don't only hear, read, or know the word of God, but take action and demonstrate the importance of it in your life through the actions you take. Lastly, in Deuteronomy 11, Moses is speaking to Israel and says, Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, statutes, judgments, and his commandments always. And following on in verse 8, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, which is God's blessing to them. In verse 9, that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers and their descendants. You know, again, the multi-generational link with obedience to God. And from verse 11 onwards, Uh, Through verse 25, God names other blessings upon Israel, you know, resulting from their eventual obedience. As we know, God was patient with them and had a lot of grace despite their continual stuff-ups. However, from verse 26 to 28 is important. It says, Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the lord your god which i command you today and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the lord your god but turn aside from the way which i command you today to go after other gods which you have not known in joshua chapter 5 verse 6 we see the result of the disobedience it says for the law for the children of the lord walked 40 years in the wilderness Till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Now we like Israel have a choice between the blessing of obedience to God or the wilderness resulting from disobedience. So having established that obedience to God is important, not just for blessing's sake, but for the health and demonstration of our faith to God. How do we ensure we continue to obey God in the midst of difficulty and hardships and strife? And pulling from Scripture, I've got four keys for you, which I don't pretend are completely exhaustive and, and, and all-encompassing, but they're four keys that, that should be of help. So the first, which I already alluded to in, in Luke 11, verse 28, is knowing God's Word. And such a simple concept, really, but so often thrust to the side of catching up on the latest Netflix show, watching live sport, making dinner, or even doing family life. Now that's as much a challenge to myself as to anyone else here. See, if we don't know God's Word, how do we know that we are living in obedience to it? If we don't know the Word, we can't know that we're living in obedience to it. Trying to practice obedience to the Word without knowing the Word is as good as trying to have a meaningful conversation with your spouse while brushing your teeth. You know, you can communicate something really basic but that's about it. So the first key, knowing God's Word. The second key is having gratitude for our salvation. See, we aren't made right with God or sanctified by our obedience to Him we are given salvation through Christ's sacrificial offering, dying on the cross for our sins. However, out of thankfulness for that immense offering, we are to demonstrate obedience to God. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy holy, And acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I really like that passage, so I'm gonna read it again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So often we relegate gratitude for salvation to communion weeks at church, to Easter and to Christmas. We focus on Jesus' death and resurrection and birth. I've traveled a fair bit for my lack of years, and everywhere that I've been, literally everywhere that I've been, people have commented on the beauty of New Zealand. We live in such a beautiful country with so much amazing nature, which is an extension of God's nature, but it doesn't even come close to scratching the tiniest part of the surface of the glory that God has waiting for us to be a part of in heaven. As we become more thankful, more grateful for our salvation the willingness to be obedient to God with our whole hearts and lives as an extension of that becomes easier. So the first two keys, knowledge of the word and gratitude for salvation. The third key, trust in God. Again, such a simple sentence, but the implications really are huge. It's easy to trust God when things are easy, isn't it? but so often we begin to question God once things don't go according to plan, and as a result, our obedience begins to waver. How many of us here have gone through hardship? All of us at some stage or another, surely, because I know I have, Um, and I find it particularly awesome how this morning we sung Should This Life Bring Suffering, I'll Remember. In order for us to truly ever trust in God, we have to go through hardship. Otherwise, our relationship will only be at a surface level. In order for us to ever truly trust in God, we have to go through hardship. Otherwise, our relationship will only ever be at a surface level. I don't know how many people in our church work in multi-story buildings, um, in a multi-story building like I do, but a surface-level relationship with God it's like when you're catching the lift up to the office and you're joined in the lift by someone from another floor or even the same floor you know that you've seen before and they've seen you before. You've told each other your names, you know, but neither of you can remember the other's name and you might guess it's Anne or Bruce. I thought that was particularly hilarious that the two, aunt, two ladies referred to were both Anne this morning. Um, so... Yeah, neither of you can remember the other's name and all you've really had is a token chit-chat about you know, how wet, warm, cold or windy the weather is you know, in Wellington at the moment because the weather's always doing something in Wellington and it's reliable small talk. And, and maybe you've overheard a bit of their life from a conversation they've had you know, with a colleague of theirs in the lift or a colleague of yours has mentioned something about them to you that you can't quite remember. You know, that relationship is only at a really surface level. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want a relationship with our amazing God that is like that, where it's superficial, devoid of substance, and devoid of vividness. We see it in movies, and in real-life cases constantly, where soldiers who went through some of the most awful scenarios and scenes you know, imaginable together come out of it incredibly bonded with such a strength of trust in one another. I, I experienced this not in terms of the, the war or soldiers part but in my previous work um, for those that were starting off it was incredibly hard going uh, and those of us that were sort of I guess low level um, entranced, were uh, ended up being really bonded together because of this kind of continual beatdown we had faced and to this day you know I don't have a sort of level of trust or um, in, in a group of people um, outside of the church that you know, it's quite like with this group. Going through hardship together is actually such an amazingly bonding uh, and trust-forming experience. Hardship persevered through with trust in God is the pathway to a stronger, more meaningful relationship and walk with God. Hardship persevered through with trust in God is the pathway to a stronger, more meaningful relationship and walk with God. Let me give another analogy. Who here learned to drive in a manual car? I did. Mum had some heart palpitations at times when I would miss, you know, when you're going down from fourth to third and when you learn to drive it, you almost kind of put it into first. And, well, yeah, You start in first uh, and quite quickly the car accelerates and the engine revs to a stage where you either take your foot off the accelerator and engage the clutch to change gear or you stay the same speed you're going because you've decided that changing to second is too difficult and scary for you, or you damage the engine from revving it too far for too long in first gear. Hopefully, you manage to switch to second and the process you know, repeats itself as you get onto the motorway, etc. The times when the clutch is engaged are uncertain and initially feel like a backward step because without the acceleration, the car slows momentarily. Once we make it to the next gear, we realize the necessity of engaging the clutch. As the car begins to move faster, the learning driver begins to become more familiar with the feeling of engaging the clutch, slowing momentarily, and then changing up to the next gear. See, the hardship we encounter in life is like God allowing the clutch to be engaged. When we hit hardship, it feels like life is moving or starting to move, In the wrong direction like how the slowing speed of the car feels to a learner driver but without god allowing the clutch of hardship to be engaged in our life we'll never be able to build the trust in him to move into second gear and then third gear and fourth gear and so on we can choose to stay in first or in second and not trust him and learn through difficult times but all we're doing is being robbed of the fullness and richness that He has for us. See, the gears in our journey with God aren't limited to five or six like on a car. They're limitless. For the Scripture says that we're always to be moving from one degree of glory to another. So as we learn to trust God more, we become more obedient. And as we become more obedient, we learn to trust God more, and we see His work in our lives more and more in a cycle that should be ever-increasing. So three of the four keys, knowledge of the Word, gratitude for salvation, and trust in God. The last key in my list is having an alongside or or someone to to work alongside you. So knowledge of the Word, gratitude for salvation, trust in God, and having an alongside, which is a bit of a made-up word. Everything alongside her is about having people who can support you, pull you up gently on things, and even openly rebuke you if it's warranted and you're a disobedience to God. It mentions about that in 2 Timothy and Paul's letter to Timothy. Moses, one of the most well-known and famous characters of the Old Testament, needed the support of another to do his speaking for him. As he gave God as, as many reasons and excuses... He could think of as for why he wasn't a good speaker or up to the job. In his grace, God gave him the support of Aaron to be the spokesman to the people. In Galatians 6 verse 1 to 2 it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are to restore anyone caught up in disobedience to God to a healthy relationship with God in a gentle manner. Given we all fall short at times, it is important in how we deal with and bring to light disobedience in the lives of those we walk alongside. The tone we set in dealing with the disobedience of others needs to be one that when we fall short, we are able to accept correction in the same manner as which we give it. Being right with God is so important to our walk with Him and our obedience to Him. 1 John 3 verse 21 to 24 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He commanded us. Whoever keeps His his commandments abides in God and God in Him. And by this, we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Reading verse 21 again, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. As you're listening, is there something in your heart that you know is out of alignment with a strong relationship with God? Maybe it's an attitude, a relationship, or an addiction you might have, or or something else. The condemnation we can hold that relates to that issue undermines our confidence before God as we're singing or listening during worship, going about our daily life, or praying, conversing with God. Because we feel dirty, guilty, unclean, unworthy, it drives a wedge there. The only way to address that darkness is to bring it into the light and ask God for help with it, to be free of it. By confessing repentance, your repentance out loud, it breaks some of the power that this wedge has over your walk with God. By walking through it alongside another believer, it helps to bring accountability and build strength and resistance to temptation. At the beginning of my message, I mentioned about there being other intervening moments in my life significant to my meeting Tammy. Having grown up as a child of divorce, I've always placed a huge importance on the sanctity of marriage and the importance of a strong individual relationship with God for each of the husband and wife in order for their own relationship to be strong. For years, I struggled with an addiction to pornography that crippled my relationship with God, bringing condemnation to my heart and affecting my confidence before Him. I remember vividly being unable to engage with or enjoy worship at church as I knew a part of my life just clearly didn't align with what I was singing. I had a wedge between me and God, and it made me feel unworthy. See, I knew for a number of years that in order for me to treat my eventual wife with the respect I needed and wanted to, I had to remove that addiction completely from my life. As I went through university, I began to think more about my desire to marry in the not-too-distant future. I knew very clearly that God was speaking to me and saying it would not happen until I confessed of my addiction to pornography, repented of it, And removed its presence from my life. Through God's grace and the support of those I was living with in Newtown at the time, I was able to do so. About three months after this, God brought Tammy and I across one another, and I've been free ever since. Church, I hope that having shared briefly of my struggles the power of any condemnation, fear, or embarrassment that you may be living under for anything present in your life is broken. That you take hold of the freedom from bondage that Christ is freely offering you. I want to see our church free such that we all have confidence before God and faith that whatever we ask for in His name, in alignment with His Word, that we receive it from Him free such that we are able to go and make disciples of all nations, whether it's Upper Hutt, New Zealand, or further afield, and bring the freedom that we find in living in obedience with Christ into the lives of all who we encounter. God bless you all. Have an awesome week.